Well, welcome to the Empower Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and ultimately empowers you to influence people and transform cities. Enjoy the message. Well, as Pastor Nick shared earlier, church, we're going to dive into a new series today called Remnant to Revival. And uh, man, I've been so, I guess, excited, pumped about this series, uh, you know, and I must say, just in the research and the like the, 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 the viewing and the readings and everything of just looking over revivals in history, I got to tell you, it's doing something in my life. I know with the other guys that are preaching as well, it's doing something in their lives as well. You know, there's just something powerful about diving into what God has done in our history so that it can speak life into our future. And uh, this series is really about us unpacking uh, revivals in our history. And, you know, what, what did people do? that led to the revival? What did God do and how did people work with God in that? And what was the fruit of the revival? You know, every revival in our history has had fruitfulness. It has had a mark on the generation. And, uh, and I just love that as we unpack this, my prayer for all of us as a church will be God will start to awaken something inside of our lives. He will start to stir something in our spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit that will draw us nearer to God, that will bring our lives closer into His presence. And you know, that song that we just sang, Lord, send revival, it won't just be a song, it will be a prayer to our lives that we would pray that prayer and we would believe God for our city, our state, our nation, and we would believe God for the world. See, we have to be the people of faith that believe that God wants to pour out His Spirit in the earth. We have to believe that. I mean, this whole thing is built on faith. Our whole Christian walk is built on the fact that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He did come to this earth. He did die on a Roman cross. And yes, He rose from the dead. We have the faith to believe and our whole faith is hinged on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And we believe that He will return. Our faith is built on that. So in faith, we enter into this whole series, believing God that, Lord, You can pour out Your Spirit on all flesh. As You have done it in the past, we know that You can do it again. And that's the Spirit we wanna enter into this, this whole series with. So good. You know, to understand revival, you know, we really need to understand that revival is really the renewal of God's presence into the world. It's, the, it's the, the awakening of people's hearts back to God again. That's really what revival is. And, uh, and, and if we need to sum up revival, it is God moving in God's way. It's God moving by His Spirit in God's way. And see, in, as, you'll, as we'll note over this whole month, is that there, there are just moves of God that have happened in our world and in our history that yes, some have been filled with miracles and, and, and creative miracles and powerful moves of God unto healing and breakthroughs and miracles that is just unexplainable. Absolutely incredible, tangible miracles. Uh, others have been just moves of, of just awakening of salvation. You know, of people being drawn to Christ and drawn to God and whole communities, regions, cities and nations coming back to Christ again in an incredible way. And you know, I just love that in this whole, 
you know, diving into revival, I mean, my prayer is what steps can we take? What can we do now? And that is my heart and I'm praying for over our churches as we dive into it because our Innisfail location is diving into this today as well. And so we can look at our lives and say, God, if revival starts in me first, what do you want to do first? What are the first things? What are the first things that I need to do? And part of my message today is really unpacking some of those first things. All right. Do you know that revivals actually happen in the Bible as well? You know, in the Old Testament, we see in 2 Kings that there was a revival with King Josiah. Who's ever read that about King Josiah in the Old Testament? And, and you know, Get this, the, 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 the nation had gotten so far from God that even though Josiah was, was, you know, a good man and he was, you know, the Bible says he was a good king in the sight of the Lord when there were so many other evil kings, he was a good king and he loved the Lord. Yet uh, one day they're trying to restore the temple and they, you know, they, the priest gets in there and finds this old book, all right? Finds this old book, dusts it off and suddenly realises it's the book of the law. It's been missing for an entire generation, you know? Can you imagine that? Living an entire kind of faith without the Bible. There's just no Bible, no truth, no teaching, you know? And, and suddenly they find this, literally, what is the book of the law, the Word to them, and they take it, he runs to the king and says, look what I found, this is amazing, you know, it's incredible. And they begin to read it in the presence of the king. The king realises, man, either you know, this book is wrong or we're not people of God. So he, he tears his clothes before God, which is a sign of repentance. And he repents before God himself. And then he, he leads this move of God across the entire land to bring the people back to God again. And part of that is removing all the idol worship. He gets rid of it in the kingdom of Judah and he actually taps into the king of Israel, gets rid of all the idol worship there as well. And God just brings a revival of the whole nation back to himself again. Now, this is the one we all know about is Acts 2. Acts 2 is an incredible move of revival to launch the first church. And, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came to that 120 in the upper room that were there diligently in prayer, diligently seeking God after the ascension of Jesus Christ, they tarried together. They stayed together in prayer and believed God for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And man, when the Holy Spirit dropped, they spoke with other tongues. You know, the, the power of God hit them in an incredible way. And even in that day, all the whole city took notice of what God was doing. And Peter went out and preached the message and 3,000 people got saved in one day. You know, I love this scripture, Acts 3.19, repent and be converted and times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. If that's not speaking of revival, what is? Repent and be converted. And so there's this great power to what leads to a revival. And today I wanna to talk about a Scottish revival called the Hebrides Revival. Who's ever heard of it? Just raise your hand. You've heard of the Hebrides Revival. And uh, the Hebrides Revival was a, a revival that took place in 1949. And the Hebrides is, is a group of islands in Scotland uh, that, you know, are all kind of interconnected and they take ferries across to one another. And, you know, this, this, this group of, uh, you know, islands were there together, towns like Lewis and Barber and all these places. And, and just an incredible move of God that took place from 1949 to 1953. 
And, uh, and I just want to start this because this is a little bit of a tapping through the story, okay? So just walk with me. And uh, how this all began was because of two elderly women, two elderly sisters, 82 and 85. If you don't think that God is going to use you when you're 85 years old, get a load of this, all right? These two women who were there living in this humble little cottage together, all right, they began to seek the face of God because both of them were aware. One of them was completely blind and, uh, and they were aware that the church had no young people in it right across the Hebrides. All the young people were living their own life, going their own way. There was, there was hardly any of them in the church. There were some young people in the church that had grown up in it, but the young people were, were just lost on these islands, going their own way. And I love the response of these two elderly women. Their response wasn't to be judgmental of the next generation. They didn't look and go, oh, what are you doing? You're not in church, you know. Their response wasn't to be angry or, or frustrated by it. Their response was to pray. Their response was, Lord, we need a move of God. We need your presence on this island. We need you to move in an incredible way on this island. And so some of what I'm bringing today is actually taken from a, a, a transcript of a message of a testimonial that was given from the minister who, who kind of was there on the island, who was sent, uh, you know, to come and preach for 10 days on the island, ended up staying for the entirety of this whole revival. And uh, his name was, was Duncan Campbell. And, uh, and so this is a, a transcript and some of these things are taken from his actual message he preached as a testimonial of what God did on that island. And this is what he said that began it with these two ladies, all right? It says, a verse gripped them. I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And they were so burdened that they both, both of them decided to spend so much time in prayer twice a week. On Tuesday, they got on their knees at 10 o'clock in the evening and remained on their knees until three or four o'clock in the morning. Two old women in a very humble cottage. One night, one of the sisters had a vision. Now remember, in revival, God works in wonderful ways. A vision came to one of them, and in the vision, she saw the church of her fathers crowded with young people, packed to the doors, and a strange minister standing in the pulpit, and she was so impressed by the vision that she sent for the parish minister. Now here's what happened is that they called for the parish minister, and he comes, and to his great credit, he hears the vision of these ladies, of this one lady that, that shares it to him, and he says, you know what? We're going to start praying too. We're going to start believing God too. So what he does is he gathers the, the, the elders and the deacons of the church together and they meet in a barn. All right, this is, this is real old school, man. They're still getting around the horse and carts. There's hardly any vehicles on the island. I mean, they meet in a barn and the ladies stay in their cottage and they pray on Tuesday and Friday nights. And they're just seeking God. They're crying out to God for a move of God's Spirit across the islands. And so what happens is, is that, is that after six weeks of praying, six weeks of seeking God over this time, one of the young deacons gets up and he, he's going to share. And he shares from Psalm 24. And it's this scripture and it'll be on the screen. It says, Who can enter unto the hill of the Lord? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. And this is what he said after sharing the scripture. It seems to me to be so much humbug to be praying as we are praying, 
to be waiting as we are waiting if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. And then he lifted his two hands and I'm telling you, just as the minister told me it happened, he lifted his two hands and prayed, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? But he got no further that the young man fell to his knees and then fell into a trance. So he fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't ask me to explain this because I can't. He fell into a trance and is now lying on the floor in the barn. And in the words of the minister at that moment, he and his other office bearers were gripped by the conviction that a God-sent revival must ever be related to holiness, must ever be related to godliness. Are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? The man that God will trust with revival, that was the conviction. How powerful is that? Him to lift his hands before God. See, it wasn't just that he prayed it. It was the genuineness of his heart. Raise his hand to say, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? It's a deeply personal prayer, isn't it? It's one of those prayers that no one else can pray but you. It's one of those prayers that like, only we know the state of our lives. Only we know the state of our heart. So we lift our hands and say, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? I gotta tell you in that moment, the presence of God fell not on that barn, it fell on the entire island. It dropped the power of God on that entire, entire island. So in the barn, they thought, oh, well, it's just happened here. No, it happened all over the island. God moved in an incredible way. And here's my first key to this. Things that can help us on the journey of believing God is this, is the prayer of repentance. This is the key factor to revival. You know, that we see in history is that most revivals, every single revival in history always came after prayer. It always came after prayer, but it wasn't just prayer. And it wasn't just throwing up a few Hail Marys to God. God, here's my football. It's not just throwing it up to God. It was genuine, heartfelt prayer. God, we're crying out for our nation. Crying out for our land. We're crying out for our schools. We're crying out for our, our university. We're crying out for our neighbourhoods, our cities, our government. We're crying out for families. We're crying out for the state of our world around us. We're crying out for people. And see, there's a genuineness to this prayer. But it was the prayer of repentance that really stirred something here in the, he the Hebrides revival. It was the prayer of repentance that stirred something in Josiah, wasn't it? King Josiah, when he tore his robe and he tore his clothes, he, he, there was a repentance that came before God that he realised, Lord, we are not living the way we need to. We've got to get our lives back and get rightly related to God again. See, Jesus said this in Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've not come just to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. How many know that Jesus was a revival? <laughs> when He walked the earth, He was a revival. The move of God that took place all over Israel was incredible. It was revival. And the, and the message that Jesus brought when He preached was this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There was a, there was a, a call to repentance. There was a call to bring our lives back to God again 
and get our lives right before Him again. How many know that God is holy? God is holy. I want you to understand this right now. You may be a guest, you may be thinking, man, what is revival? What are you talking about? But I, I want to I show you something in this is that God did create the world. God is, he, he exists, therefore we exist. And He is holy and He is God. And see, we need to understand this, is that you will never, ever, ever find holiness anywhere else but God. We will not find it anywhere else. He is the one we must come to because He is God and He is holy. He is righteous. James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God and He will draw near to, God, to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oh, that's a heavy one, wasn't it? The heavy Scripture, that one. Thanks, James. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, Purify your hearts before God. What's the double-minded? Hey, don't have your life in two camps. Don't have your life in two camps. You're living for the world. You're living for God. Like, make a choice. That's what it's saying. Make a choice. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. We're speaking in the context of revival here, and this is what these people did. It's what they did. They said, Lord, I'm not going to live this half-baked Christianity. I'm actually going to come and this is going to be real. It's going to be genuine. It's going to be real from my life and I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to open up my heart to you and I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself to come close to you. And God, if you've got to shine your light of glory on me, and if there's stuff I've got to repent of, if there's some stuff in my life that I've got, to, I've got to start saying no to, if there's stuff in my life I've got to shift in my life, Lord, bring on the glory. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to move in my life. Lord, show me what I need to change. Show me what I, I need to shift. Hey, there's a genuineness to the repentant heart. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. This is what this young deacon did. He did it and God moved in such an incredible way. The drawing back to God again. What a great prayer. Are my hands clean, Lord? Is my heart pure? And my hands clean is my heart pure. See, the Lord is looking for that cry from our hearts. He's looking for that. He's searching for it from us to say, God, I'm coming before you. See, church, we need to pray like this every day. It's just a great prayer to pray, Lord. Lord, I, just to get before God, before you even dive into prayer, you know, it's just a great thing to go and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I know that, God, there's some things in my life I haven't been doing the way that you want me to. Lord, maybe there's thoughts that I've been thinking that I should, they're just not related to You. They're not connected to You. Lord, I just come and I just repent. I come before You, Lord God. I want to get my heart clean before You. I want to get my mind clean before You. And Lord, if I, I didn't get it right yesterday, Lord, help me get it right today. Help me to get my life into a place where I'm, I'm just standing with You. I'm drawing nearer to You, Lord God. And there's something powerful about the humility of coming before God because un humility unleashes grace. Repent and be converted and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And so uh, we, we need to understand, even as people of God, there's things in our lives that we need to come before God and say, God, I'm just coming. I'm surrendering this to you. And maybe there's some things in our lives that have taken a long, long time to get through. We all deal with temptation. We all deal with issues in our lives. We all deal with things we're moving through. We're all in this journey together. But it's not about, am I perfect? God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for our hearts. 
God used numerous people in the Bible that were not perfect. Look at Peter, who gets up and preaches this incredible message and 3,000 people get saved. That dude, not so long ago, denied Jesus three times. And he had to come and repent before God. Lord, I stuffed it, sorry, I messed it up. You know, not so long later, here the power of God comes on him. He preaches the message of his life. I mean, God loves using us even though we are human, even though we have things in our lives that we're working through. But oh, let's not let that define our lives. Let's let it draw us closer to Jesus, closer to God to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own strength. I need You. Because I, I can't get over this temptation on my own. I need the power of Your Spirit. I need You, Lord, in my life. See, the same Jesus that saved us is the same Jesus that sustains us. And we've got to develop a heart of gratitude. Let's not lose the power of the cross. Let's not lose it every day of our lives, the power of the cross, that if not for you, Jesus, if not for the blood you shed, if not for the nails in your hands and feet, if not for the sin that was laid upon you, the sickness that was laid upon you, the suffering that was laid upon you, there goes my life if not for you. And I don't ever want to develop a heart, even as a Christian, of coming before God with my rights. Here's my rights, Lord. You have to move. You have to do this. You have to do that. Man, I don't deserve anything. I don't, I don't even want to know what I deserve. I, I don't deserve what He's given. So that's why every day we have got to come with a spirit of thankfulness, of gratitude before God. that says, Lord, if not for the grace of God, there goes my life. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for Your mercy. Oh my God, oh, thank You for Your mercy. Oh, I don't, I don't deserve Your grace. I don't deserve Your mercy. I don't deserve Your blessings. I don't deserve Your promises, yet You pour it out so abundantly. Oh, I'm grateful. See, it's only a repentant spirit that can tap into that spirit of thankfulness, that gratitude, that praise. That's the, that's the heart God's looking for. It's what He looks for in all of us. The second thing we see in the Hebrides revival is the tangible presence of God. So as I shared earlier, the local minister, something's starting to happen, okay? So the local minister sends word to Duncan Campbell, who's a young preacher, all right? And he, he gets sent and he comes to the Hebrides, uh, to the town called Lewis, where they are at. And, uh, and so they set up a meeting that night. I think it was probably a Friday or Saturday night. And they set up this meeting and he comes to preach at this meeting. Like the dude has just traveled all days, ferries, trains, everything else. And he gets there and like, man, you're preaching tonight, buddy. Hope you slept on the train. Like he was, he, he was right into it straight away. And so they take him to this meeting and, uh, and, and the meeting starts and the, 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 the church they're in is, could seat more than 800 people. There's about 300 people there. So the night happens and it's a good night. God moves, God does some great things, but it's, Pretty, it's not revival, but God moves, okay? And so at the end of the meeting, it's like 11 o'clock at night by now, and uh, they're heading down the aisle and everyone's kind of left the, the, the church building and they're standing outside. And as they're walking down the aisle, this young deacon that had the, 
the move of God happen over his life in the barn. He's walking beside Duncan Campbell and he stops in the middle of the aisle and he says, this is not right. This is not right. This is, this is not it. This is not supposed to be like this. God, you're supposed to move. And this is what he prayed and it'll be on the screen. He said, God, you can't fail us. God, You can't fail us. You promised to pour water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. You can't fail us. And right in that moment, He drops under the power of the Spirit again. He's out. He's out cold on the ground. And Duncan Campbell's like, what is going on? What's happening? So they're there for a little while and just waiting while this young man's on the ground. And, uh, and, and suddenly there's, the door opens and one of the elders who's the blacksmith in town, he calls out to Duncan, he says, uh, Minister Campbell, you gotta come outside. You gotta come outside, you gotta come and see this. Come and see. And so he comes outside and suddenly where there were 300 people in the auditorium, now there were 600 people outside. And people are coming from everywhere. They're just walking down the road. They're coming from all over the place. You know, at the same time as this young man prayed this prayer, there was a dance happening down the road with a hundred young people in it. Remember what this prayer was all about? There's a hundred young people in a dance down the road, they're having the time of their life, all right, in this dance. And suddenly the power of God hit this dance so strongly that they stopped playing the music. Everyone froze and started staring at each other. Like, what are we doing here? The conviction of sin was so strong, they all ran out of the hall. They ran out of the hall and they ran down the road. They're all running, they don't even know what they're doing. They're running down the road and they run to the church because it's the only building with lights on. They run to the church and suddenly they're there. People all over the island are waking up at 11.30 at night, getting dressed, walking out the front door and walking to the church and they have no clue why. It was the power of God was drawing them there. And they came and suddenly they opened the doors of the church again. It's midnight now. Let everybody back in. The place is an 800-seater. It's packed to the rafters. Duncan can't even get down the aisleway. People are repenting everywhere by the power of God. He finally gets to the altar and there's this young lady laying on the altar She's a young teacher at a grammar school, all right? I mean, prim and proper from a grammar school. She's slobbering, crying her eyes out, and she's saying, have mercy on me, O God, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me, God, I am a sinner. Just saying it over and over and over again. And that's her and all these others that are repenting before God. The power of God that moves so strongly is that another moment that happened is that you know, they're, 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 there's prayer that's going on. God wakes everyone up again. I think it was actually the next night. Wakes all these people up again and they end up at the police station. It's because it's the only building with lights on. They're all out and they're like, what are we doing here? And they didn't realise the police station was directly beside these women's cottage where they'd been praying. And so thankfully, the, the, the officer that was on that night, he was a Christian, he come out and started reading the Psalms and singing and all this stuff. And Duncan gets word of it. He rocks up and, you know, people are getting saved everywhere. It's the power of God that moves. And, uh, and, and suddenly from this point on, the move of God is so strong that it's not, it, people are getting saved, but they're also drawing their friends. That's the power when the Holy Spirit moves. You can't help but tell people. 
You can't help it, man. You've got to come and see. You've got to come and see. You've got to come and check this out, what God's doing. And they're, they're, like, it, it becomes evangelistic. And so they're calling to others. And uh, the power of this revival is, is that the, um, most of the people, 75% of the people actually got saved in the street, got saved in a field. I mean, there's reports of men on their own out herding sheep in a field. I mean, it's 1949. Herding sheep in a field and the power of God hit them so strongly, they drop to their knees and start repenting before God. The conviction of sin is so strong, they can't help it. Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. And, and just repenting before God. There's one story of a, of a headmaster that was an alcoholic in a local school. And he was in a, 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 a as the, the transcript, some words aren't exactly there as you read it, but the, the he, he he's there and he's 10 o'clock at night and he's doing some work for the next day. And he gets up and he says to his wife, he says, I've got to leave. I've got to go. And she said, you're not going to the pub, are you? You're not going. You're not going, no, 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 it's not the pub. You've you got to trust me. I've got to go. I've got to go to this other island. It's, it's 10 o'clock at night. Like, I've got to go. I've got to leave. I've got to, know, I've got to go. I don't know why, but I have to go. I've got to go to this, this place. So he leaves and he goes to this place and he ends up on another island where the, the, the move of God's happening. And, uh, and he comes into the meeting and, and gives his life to Jesus in that meeting. Total life turnaround from then on. And, uh, and just story after story of God moving over and over again. See, this revival lasted for, from 1949 to 1953. And Duncan Campbell, who was meant to come for 10 days, stayed for the whole time. And, uh, and just unexplainable. Now, many revivals had tangible miracles. This one didn't. This one didn't have miraculous things or anything. It was a move to repentance. It was a move to salvation. And, uh, and, and, and the beautiful picture of this story is that God literally, the majority of the islands came to Christ. They came to Jesus. And there, here's this entire generation of young people uh, that were far from God and now fully devoted to Jesus. And uh, the fruit of this revival uh, is that they went on. They went on, many of them, to become ministers and missionaries the world over. Um, I know four of them became pastors of great churches in Scotland as well from this revival where this church was a generation away from dying now is, has had a move of God so strongly that churches are being planted all over the world. Missionaries are being sent all over the world. The power of God that moved. And when God moves on every revival, we're going to see this is that there's always a fruitfulness that comes to it. God awakens a generation. He awakens a generation again. And I love this part of the whole story and I want the musicians and singers to come, please. It's the tangible presence of God so strong. I watched a, a, a review of a 90-year-old man actually filmed and I think it was the 90s or 80s, but uh, I watched this review on this man and he, and he said this story. He said, I, I experienced this revival and he said for the whole time, he said you would, you would wake up in the morning and you would wake up with a start because you realise somebody's in my room. You ever had that feeling? Someone's in my room. So, and you realise after a moment, oh, it's God. God's in my room. I can feel you, God. You're in my room. You go to bed at night and you know that God and His presence is in your room. And such a tangible presence of God. And it drew people to salvation. It is so powerful. You know, for all of us today, I just want to say this about what we learn from this. What do we learn from the Hebrides revival? Is that God can move like this. This is 1949, all right? 
He can move like this. He can do great works like this in our time and in our age we live in. And we look at our world and we look at all the things that are going on and sometimes you, you look on the news and you're reading reports and you're hearing what's going on in our world and you think, man, God, you have got to move in our world. Just like these older ladies, they realise that God, this is gonna take more than just us. This is gonna take a move of God. It's gonna take a move of the Holy Spirit, but here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am. They didn't know the revival was gonna hit. All they did was just start to pray. They started to bring their lives before God and say, God, we're just hungry. We're thirsty for You to move. And you know, today I, I believe that what this speaks to our lives is how can we come before God every day in prayer? How can we come before God and bring our lives to Him every day? And I wanna encourage us to, to, to really just say, God, if, you, if you've struggled in your life to pray, if you've struggled in your life to go beyond 10 minutes and you know, you know, and while well, your eyes are sleepy at night or in the morning, you know, as you're driving to work or whatever it may be, I wanna encourage you, you know, just, just pray this prayer. Lord, help me to pray. Lord, help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to pray. Get around other people that know how to pray. Get into life group, get in around, get into prayer meeting, like with Tuesday morning prayer meetings. We're like, have, take the moments to learn to pray. If we struggle to pray, then hey, let's get around people that know how to do it, that know how to seek the face of God. And let's grow in that. I wanna encourage us today. Let's be the people that begin to pray for our city, pray for our, our state of Queensland, pray for our nation of Australia, pray for our world. God wants to move. And right now in this season, I feel that God is drawing us nearer to Himself. This is what He's doing. And if I can speak prophetically for a moment, I have I've not felt this for like anything like this. I've not felt what I feel right now. And I've felt it for months upon months upon months. And I even started feeling this in like online in COVID last year, the things that God is doing. And I really believe that God is drawing us deeper to Himself as His people. No one encourage us today. Let's take our steps. Take our steps closer to Him. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for our lives? Of us taking, saying, God, I haven't been praying at all, so I'm gonna start with 10 minutes a day. I haven't been reading Your Word at all, so I'm gonna start reading a proverb a day. I'm gonna get in and start reading the book of John, or I'm gonna read, I'm gonna get in and just do something. I'm gonna take a step, but not out of ritual or tradition, but re relationship. Devotion to God. I'm gonna take a step. What does that look like for all of us? What can we begin to do to learn from this to say, God, what is my next step?